Better Banking is getting an unbelievable 0.99% APR rate on a home equity line of credit from First Commonwealth Bank to turn your bathroom into your, wow, I love this bathroom, bathroom. 0.99% introductory APR for six months that adjusts to a variable rate based on Wall Street Journal prime rate plus or minus a margin with a minimum rate of 2.99% and a maximum rate of 18%. Offer subject to change or withdrawal at any time. Call 1-800-711-2265 for details about credit costs and terms. Equal housing lender, First Commonwealth Bank, member FDIC. What if you could be a superhero? Dave here from DC On Screen. If you love this show and you want to see it continue and thrive, please be sure to visit iTunes or Stitcher and leave us a five-star written review. The process is faster than a speeding bullet. You don't even have to wear tights or a cape. I mean, you can, if you're into that kind of thing. No judgment. What's important is that you tell the world what you like about the show and why you think they should be listening too. It really does go a long way in helping our show grow and expand, pushing us into more people's eye and ear holes. That was a weird way to put that. By the way, leaving a five-star written review gets you entered into a drawing to win a free DC trade paperback DVD or Blu-ray valued at $15 or less. One in ten will win and will be chosen through a true number generator on random.org. Think of it as our version of that antiquated sexist moment where the superhero saves the girl and she gives him a little jaw sugar. (laughs) Alright, begging is over. Time for a brand new episode of DC On Screen. Welcome into DC On Screen, episode 319. This is our weekly DC TV news episode. I am your host, David C. Robertson, and God help me, I have tried the Naked Chicken Chalupa from Taco Bell. This is my co-host, Jason Goss. I am very sorry, Dave. Have you tried any weird food items lately, man? No, not really, sadly. The uh, I... the Naked Chicken Chalupa was actually pretty good. It was not, like, great. It wasn't what I thought it was going to be. It was kind of a little too spicy for me. I Like, but, I, um... I see the appeal in it, but I, I haven't driven through anywhere in about a year and a half. Yeah, I know you haven't done that. I thought maybe, like, you know... Your wife had you go to some kind of a thing that you didn't want to go to or and offered you a thing and you were like, oh, this looks awful. And then you tried it and you were like, oh, this is amazing or something. Yeah, it's always, you know, it's always catered. Oh, no, well, I take it back. I take it back. You know, the <laughs> coolest thing I've had in a while Um uh-huh. in there was a it's not like the healthy option. It's just a different option at some little. Um, oh, yeah. Like there's a food truck around Birmingham that's like Eugene's uh, something chicken. Sorry, Eugene's. But perfectly good uh, little wings or, or boneless wings. But it uh, mm-hmm. it does have, um, you know, you can get sweet potato fries if you want to. But you can also get, sure. um, it was carrots and parsnips, parsnips, uh, oh. like fried carrots, fried parsnips. Huh. Yep. The parsnips. Pretty good. Parsnips are okay. There's nothing really <laughs> wrong with a parsnip, mm-hmm. but it may not blow you away. But right. a carrot treated as a, uh, a French fry kind of blew my mind. <laughs> It was a real game changer. In a good or bad way. No, no. That was like a, uh, it was like the potato grew up and realized it had aspirations. <laughs> and it turned into this thing I ate. Yeah. <laughs> and like the parsnip was like um, the thing it did in college to get there. <laughs> do you, uh, did you ever see the, the bit on, um. Sid Caesar's your show of shows where like he goes in and like, he and his wife go into a uh, there's like a bit where he the guy and his wife go into a uh, into this restaurant and he's like what what is this place and she's like oh it's the it's a health rest it's a health restaurant there 
and uh, like everything in it is like he, he doesn't believe it. he's like I want a steak I don't want to deal with this and she's like you see that old man over there yeah 24 what <laughs> <laughs> he's here every week you know and then uh, he uh, they're walking in and uh, there's um, oh gosh the guy that played Ernest T. Bass on the Andy Griffith show um, Howard something I can't remember his last name mm. for the life of me but he's like in all this old makeup and uh, he's like, oh, how you doing? And uh, he's like, yeah, I heard great things about this place. Oh, yeah. And uh, she's like, oh, what a nice old man. And he goes, you know, 23. Uh, <laughs> but they sit down and it's nothing but they keep bringing him like pots of flowers and shit. And they're just like eating pl- like plants and calling it health food. Nice. I don't know. It's a funny bit. Um, this is now the opposite of. Like when I walk into a liquor store and and they say like, "Can I see your ID?" and like, "Oh, good sir, you flatter me." <laughs> and in oh yeah, and in response to my earlier comment, just pointing out, uh, it's not that Jason's wife takes him to or wants him to go to places he doesn't want to go. It's just that Jason doesn't like going anywhere. No, no, I, I um. yeah, no, that's uh, <laughs> that didn't even sound weird to me. No, I'm I'm very yeah very insular. I'm happy to like sit at home and watch it. <laughs> Jason like bought a house and it became part of his body. Yeah, that's fine with me. <laughs> you have to like go with a crowbar and like pry him out of his home. Um, it, so, it's happened. In de- in defense of your wife, I just wanted to say that like you're just you're a home guy, you're a homebody, yeah. as they say. Anyway, well, uh, moving there's on. There's a moment from uh, a high school I'll never forget where like I uh, I we our our theater program like lost its uh, we. Our our county lost all of its fucking money. Just lost all of its fucking money. Like threw $50 million mm-hmm. off a fucking bridge. Turned out, sure <laughs> enough, it was embezzled. But we just lost all of our money. Well, yeah. So like a bunch of people got fired. So we had no theater department suddenly. And we had to kind of recreate it from scratch. So like a bunch of us that were already part of the theater program like said like, no, seriously, we're still in. Just like find somebody to come roughly supervise it. Well, mm-hmm. um somewhere in that transition like we we tried it the first year and and we went through with uh, through with it and okay great um but it wasn't great it was terrible like the the people they sent us to supervise us were were just terrible um mm-hmm. we, we persevered but it was bad and it, it's at somewhere in the middle of that like i was the guy that was pretty much in charge of like building the sets at, at like right and at that at, there was <laughs> it got weird like i was the only one who in the entire building who knew how to work the lighting um, literally the only person who knew how to work the, the, the lighting board and knew where to like literally plug in the breakers and design the lighting right. so that you only had to use a certain amount of breakers to actually get everything shot. Like it, we were scrapping it, man, but we, we spent enough time there that we, we had it covered. And, um, it's a, it's a true example of my life. After all that investment, we had like, uh, one year after in that transition where, um, we, we, we were like, no, we're going to do this. And we kind of did it, and it kind of sucked a little bit, and was like a little too much investment. And the next year, I was like, eh, I'm going to stay home. And <laughs> sure enough, I was at home, and like the first practice they had for the new season, I was at home, and it was like 8 o'clock at night, and I was literally sitting on my couch like with, with, with jeans on and no shirt, and like... I forget who it was. It was like four people came, like banged on the front door unexpectedly, walked in and went, Jason, we need you. And like literally ripped me out of the freaking house. Like <laughs> I had to go back and went, I don't have a shirt on. And they like, I like, I, I went in and like grabbed a shirt and came back. I was like, come on, we're you're, you're doing this. You're doing this. Okay. All right. I'm going to, what do we, what's going on? We don't know how to, we need you to build things. Okay. <laughs> I literally had to be ripped out of my home. 
But I, I was just sitting there watching a Friends rerun. I was fine. <laughs> a Friends rerun. <laughs> All right. We need to get to the news. News it is. <laughs> that was my transition to TV right there. Get it? Right. Friends. Uh, so TV Guide got a little hint of what's, good, what's to come of the Court of Owls and Bruce Wayne when Gotham returns. Uh, David, Maz- or sorry, David Mazus mm-hmm. says the court will be, quote, very present in the final part of the season and that they definitely have a plan. Well, don't they always? <laughs> he also says of Bruce, to. quote, they do something to him that will change him forever emotionally. There are some very, very emotional things that happen to Bruce. I mean, I don't understand what that could be because he was pretty much Batman the last episode we saw. He damn well was. <laughs> I mean, it makes me worried honest. about Alfred, uh, though. Yeah? This show's not afraid to kill people. I mean, it's they not. mostly are, but they'll do it when they think it's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. And right now... If they kill Alfred, I'm pissed. Oh. I'm not out because I'm doing... I'm not out because I'm doing this show. But you're pissed. This show has got me... Yeah, this show has got me trapped to into watching Gotham for its entirety. But... And let's be, fa- let's be honest, I'm a, I'm a Batman fan. I was already going to watch it all. But, man, that's going to suck. Yeah, it, they right now, if they mess with Selena or Alfred, that seems like the way to mess with him emotionally the most. Mm-hmm. But um, I think it may be Gordon. Could, I think it may be Gordon that they ultimately mess mm-hmm. with that, that really fucks with him. Maybe. That's my call. Hmm. A new promo for Gotham's April return has landed, and it appears that the future is written... This season, we get a nice little look at Bruce kicking a little ass in the streets, a glimpse at Jim as he wonders what happened between his uncle and his father, and the reveal of the newly accoutred Edward Nigma green suit, bowler's cap, and all. Did you get to actually see the costume? I did. It's kind of classy. Yeah. Um, kind of dug it. I will, try to, I will try to recreate for you guys my reaction to seeing him in the suit. You ready? Go. <laughs> you turned into Peter Griffin. <laughs> I did. That's fair. <laughs> and as as we've covered previously, he is really hoping to get a cane too. I like this is a yeah. this is a great <laughs> costume. Like especially in the world of Gotham, it's a good costume. Like you you've got your hat, uh-huh. you've got that like <laughs> freaking bombastic green with a little bit of hints of purple. You it looks like a freaking Riddler. And the guy playing him is pushing for that cane. <laughs> yeah, he is. <laughs> so, moving on to the other DC Fox property. Uh, <laughs> Warner Brothers is getting sued by the people who wrote that six seconds of music that happens over the title card of Lucifer. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that just sounds silly to me, but whatever. This is an hey, that's real from shit the, uh, in this world. Yeah, I know. This is an excerpt from the filing. Uh, plaintiffs Robert J. Mardosian? Mardosian? And Aaron M. Mardosian, also known as the Mardos, wrote, recorded, and produced the original musical composition and master recording from which the main title theme of the hit television series Lucifer is exerted. Uh, although all defendants acknowledge that the Mardos wrote and performed the Lucifer main title theme, defendants Warner Brothers and NS Pictures have commercially used, broadcast, and exploited the Lucifer main theme without any agreement with or license from the plaintiffs. 
According to the rap, Marco E. Beltrami, who is listed as a co-defendant in the suit, was having trouble getting the theme right, so he consulted the Mardos as his deadline approached. Ooh, that sounds like a bad idea. <laughs> they agreed to write and produce a theme, and if it was selected, wanted a title credit and a piece of the pie. According to them, WB has persistently denied their attempts at a peaceful resolution and is somehow claiming that they own the master track from which the theme song derives. That just sounds extremely convoluted. It sounds convoluted. But, uh, so I guess when the show comes back next season, there might be another theme song in place. Oh, God, no. No. With the show averaging 8 million viewers per episode across platforms, it was apparently a pretty good bet that Lucifer would be returning for season three, and Fox has made it official. You know, a couple of weeks ago we thought maybe not, but you know what? They made it official. This is coming. There's a ring on that. And quite a ring. 24 carat. Actually, 22 carat, I mm-hmm. guess I should say. Because they're coming back with 22 episodes next year. All of which, I'm going to go ahead and bet, we'll have that same six-second intro. Maybe so. Maybe so. Eh, it's cheaper to pay somebody off than it is to have it done again. Mm, maybe. As for, well, you know what, probably with DVD and Blu-ray sales, yeah. Just is. Uh, Tom Ellis gave us a little insight into what will be happening when Lucifer returns from hiatus in April. He said, we left it with Lucifer disappeared. He's gone. And all I can tell you is he went away to have a little bit of alone time, bit of time to think, to reevaluate, and he ends up coming back having made a very big decision. Dum, 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 dum. Let me guess. A platonic relationship with Chloe, so the series can continue on unabated. <laughs> unabated in mediocrity. <clears throat> Entirely possible. Over to Supergirl. I'd actually like to think Some he does come back, though, and, and say, like, you know what? I've had time to think about it. I'm so sorry. We should have just done this when we are bidding. Yeah. It, it would just, be a more I, interesting I, show I, if know. they tried it that way. Yeah, just come back. It was like, detective, I've had a lot of time to think about it. I've decided to eat your ass up. I don't know why he's Michael Caine in my version. <laughs> Lucifer's just Michael Caine in my version. Actually, I should have never left you. I'm so sorry. <clears throat> I was a little worried because I had little pretty devil horns on my head. And Maze was I putting on the pressure. My father put you in my way. And I'm thinking, well, <laughs> if it is the will of God, I top that ass. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> legitimately, if he th- if he's thinking, well, my antagonist mom suddenly wanted this. I should rethink it. Right, that'd be the way to go. Right, my my dad wanted it. Who you know, obviously, I'm not gonna you know kowtow to. But my mom wanted it, and I'm against her too. But she wants it too, and she's completely against him. Maybe it's just an actual good thing. Nah. Also, she cray. Probably not. So I'm gonna think about this for a while. <laughs> <laughs> the first Lucifer news we've had in a while, I think. So, I've asked a, a main deal, and he said, hashtag get it. <laughs> I just really love the idea of Michael Caine being Lucifer now. <laughs> Damn it. Ellis is doing a fine job. Give him 45 years to age into, like, like, a, like a good wine, into, into Michael age Caine. into being a Michael Caine replacement. <laughs> Let him spirit his <laughs> some, way there. <laughs> some set pictures have shown up. 
featuring Darren Chris as the music meister. Not much is shown except his understated outfit, some bags of probably money from the active heist, Kid Flash, Vibe, and the Martian Manhunter. And according to Entertainment Tonight's Leanne Aguilera, uh, or Leanna Aguilera, I, I don't know, Melissa Benoist will be sporting a new costume during the musical crossover event. She tweeted, Fact, Melissa Benoist looks absolutely STUNNING, in all caps, in her musical crossover costume. No pics for now, but just, again, all caps, WOW! No word on whether it's a permanent change. Um, I would be okay with another Supergirl costume. Like, The Flash has been getting a lot of new costumes. He's gotten like three or four new costumes since he started. Yeah. Ollie's gotten a few new costumes. It it might know, be time. Um, it might be time for her. I don't know. I um, hmm, I'd be down. Let's see what they come up with. Uh, Terry Hatcher is heading to Supergirl. EP Andrew Kreisberg told TV along the TV line. Sorry, that T Terry <laughs> Terry Hatcher will be making her way to Supergirl as soon as or soon as a recurring villain and eventually as a big bad for this season. Fans will recognize her as Lois Lane from the '90s series Lois and uh. Close and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman. Uh, Kreisberg said of her addition, No offense to any of the wonderful actresses who have also played the part, but Terry Hatcher is my all-time favorite Lois Lane. To have her come back to the super world is a completely different part, and in a completely different part is an unbelievable gift to me, Greg and the fans. I don't know why I use that voice, because Andrew Kreisberg doesn't sound like that at no. all. <laughs> it just sounds like the voiceover for, like, old, like, uh, like the old serials. Yeah. Last time on Lois and Clark, the new adventures of Superman. He left over a building and fell down. Superman had to figure out how to explain to Lois that he broke the sink by ejaculating into it again. Yeah. I don't know. Um, We've all been there since. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> no, we haven't. <laughs> We've all pretended no, to be haven't. there when something even stranger happened and the plumber showed up. Soups. <laughs> what? Is there some, is there, are there things I should know about you, Jason? I refuse to explain anything that just happened. All right. So we can only really speculate, I guess, uh, about whether or not Dean Kane will have any screen time with her. Um. It seems inevitable, <laughs> though, right? Yeah. Just To my knowledge, I don't know. I, nah, nah. So La La Land writers are working on Supergirl. Uh Binge Pasek and Justin Paul have been putting in some time on the musical crossover. Their original song, Running Home to You, will be part of the episode. Kreisberg said of the duo, Binge and Justin are the premier songwriting duo of our time. I'm not sure that's true, but okay. Not only are the two of them, not only are they two of the most talented people Greg and I have ever met, they are also two of the nicest. To have them be a part of our musical episode is beyond our wildest expectations. We hope everyone falls in love with the song they wrote for us as much as we did. Well, aren't they like Academy Award winners? Oh, no, they something? are cleaning the fuck up. Yeah, yeah like don't, I mean, don't, maybe don't they... be worried about them being premiere. They they actually may be premiere. Okay. They're, they're, <laughs> they're getting some serious lauding. I know they are. I know Scott at the Squadcast is all about it. You know, he's like, I love La La Land. And I'm like, Argh. no, my, my wife told me, like, if you'll go watch La La Land with me, with me, I won't complain about any of the DC stuff you make me watch uh, in, in the future. And I kind of said, like, well, I mean, that sounds like a good deal. But if like if you don't want to watch something, I don't I don't make you go watch it. So and and yeah. I've just heard the words La La Land 
like as you've said them. And then I went back and looked, and, and sure enough, they're getting a lot of stuff. But that was a new proposal to me, so that wasn't a good deal. <laughs> yeah. Like, La La Land. I, 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 I don't know what's happened. Is this I, like Hook 3? I've been hearing about this thing. I don't know what's happening. I've been hearing about this thing. I've been hearing about this thing for like months. And I knew as you said it that when your wife said, if you'll go see La La Land with me, as if it was something that you had heard about, thought about, and decided no one some months prior, she says that to you. I won't complain about I'm like, one, what kind of, what what do you have her involved in that you, like, make her watch DC shows? Not a thing, no. <laughs> I know, also, I know like, that about you. I would, I would be 100% <laughs> oblivious to anything that else uh, that was happening other, <laughs> other than this. I mean... And two, I wish I had been privy to the conversation as it was happening, so I could just step into frame because I imagine our lives as a movie, like a Twilight Show. I could just step sometimes. into frame and tell your wife, "Oh, sweetie, he's never heard of that." <laughs> <laughs> just step in as Ron Serling. <laughs> like really, all she has to do is go, "Hey, will you go see this with me? I really want you to." And you'll probably be like, "Yeah, all right." <laughs> Reluctantly, no matter what it is, I actually even the Avengers, you were like, "I'm going to go see that," but I kind of wish I didn't have to. Yeah. Like, as we discussed in the previous episode, you don't like getting out of your house. Yeah, that's so, the thing. Or maybe it was this episode. I don't know. It's uh, but... previous comments. <laughs> it, I, I'm actually uh, I'm actually more likely to um, get out of the house on, like, an unreserved blind ticket. Hey, I'd like you to do this thing. <laughs> uh, okay, don't tell me anything about it. No, I don't want to do like this. I would like to have no expectations. All right. I would prefer okay. to have zero expectations, so I can't in any way make those expectations <laughs> seem like they're going to be impending doom. Thank you very much. Really, the best way to get you to go see anything is not to actually talk to you about it. It's just too late. Like, it's literally just like, you. tell me where I need to report. <laughs> yeah, just ambush you and throw like a, a towel around your head and take you out the back, put you in a van and take you to the yeah. thing. I need you to be at X event at 8 p.m. <laughs> on the 21st. What's happening? Shh. <laughs> Shut your sweet head. Shut your sweet head about it. I'll see you there. Shut and I'm the same early. way. I'm the same way. We have a we have a friend named Brandon. He was moving away, and Jason had to like he spent hours probably convincing me to go play frisbee golf with him and Brandon because mm. it was probably one of the last times I was going to see him, and I was like. But is that really going to be quality time? <laughs> <laughs> but there's so much walking. They'll, I could be here in air conditioning. I could be here in air conditioning with tel- television shows that I enjoy. You see, It'll I be, uh, understand. It's basically like a hike where you move your arms sometimes. <laughs> uh, we're both patently ridiculous, by the way. Yeah. Just pointing that out. So in addition to Terry Hatcher, Supergirl has apparently added Kevin Sorbo, or Hercules, if you're old enough. And that's sad to say. Oh, my oh, gosh. I know. Uh, they've added them, him to their cast uh, as an upcoming Season 2 villain. Kreisberg says, uh, since his days as Hercules, Kreisberg remembers, right? Kevin Sorbo has brought such a strong presence to the screen, and we couldn't be more excited to have him join us on Supergirl. This seems to be like a common theme. They do the like weird Christian film, and then they do CW superhero shows. Let's just see. <laughs> anyway, I see that. Um, yeah, I leave next week. Says Sorbo. I'm heading up to Vancouver, and I'll be doing a three-show arc. And 
Carrie Hatcher's playing my wife. Ba-dum, boom. He also said they are real and they're spectacular. No. Um, he also provided <laughs> some... Seinfeld reference, sorry. He also provided some hints about his origin, saying, I'm from another planet that's an arch-rival planet of Krypton, which is now, of course, destroyed. Sounds like he's a Daxamite. Mm, it really does. It, is I, this I, like I, the Daxamite version for mon Like the Daxamite version of Non and... Shit, I can't even remember what's her face's Go On Star's name. What was her? Astra. Astra. Is this yeah. like Non and Astra, but from Daxum? I don't know. I, I think we have here the king and queen of Daxum who have for some reason come back to retrieve the prince of Daxum who has run off Probably. and tried to escape his duties. Probably. And they are going to try to bring him back to his duties. Mm, yeah. Now, so I don't know why the hell they wouldn't just keep their duties but just looking at the casting of the ages that's that seems plausible mm. so uh w- <laughs> sorbo talked about uh the past a little bit he said way back in 1993 i actually booked lois and clark let's say lewis and clark lois and clark <laughs> and 24 hours later they canceled me and put in dean kane it's pretty much but three the months later or the cartographers hmm? pretty, i'm pretty sure you meant the reporters the reporters what? Forget it. Go ahead. <laughs> the quote was, way back in 1993, I actually booked Lois and Clark, the reporters. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I think I said Lewis and Clark, maybe. I'm not sure. Just start And 24 hours it. later. It's okay. easier that way. <laughs> so Sorbo was talking about the past a little bit. He said, way back in 93, I actually booked Lois and Clark, and 24 hours later, they canceled me. And put in Dean Kane, But three months later, I got Hercules. So I was okay with it. Yeah, you were okay with it. I mean, I guess Hercules lasted longer than Lois and Clark. I mean, they both... <laughs> they had jobs, man. I mean... Right. No one no one here was, like, hitting the unemployment line. Right. But that... Uh, Superman to Hercules. I would have liked to have seen his Superman, though. He would definitely had to get a haircut. Yeah, I was never a big fan of the Hercules. Or the Xena. No, oh, he used to watch that all the time, man. Yeah, I like I like Lucy Lawless and the uh, Evil Dead. You know, the Ash versus Evil Dead. You're great there. No, I I um, but, um I watched uh, I watched Hercules and Xena on the regular. Oh, okay, yeah, you know, uh, Bethany watched it. and She's got all the stuff on DVD. But back in the day when I was a teenager, I they were like uh, main competition for uh, Star Trek Deep Space Nine, and I was like, ah, I'm not gonna watch that. Uh, mm. <laughs> I just caught Deep Space Nine in syndication when I caught it. Yeah. Well, they were both in All of them are syndication. They were all syndicated programs. None of them were on network. Hmm. Did you want that? Oh. <laughs> mm. There was a thing that aired like one in the morning, wherever the hell it was mm. that I uh, yeah. was watching. It's things. all affiliate, affiliate based on the times. You know, like Star Trek might air on Saturday night at 8 in Milwaukee, but here in Alabama it'll run at 11:30. Yeah. Um or, you know, here in Montgomery 11:30 in Birmingham it run midnight, you know, or 1 a.m. Yeah. It's all affiliate based. That's the whole it's the charm of syndication. <laughs> the charm of syndication, or as we know it, hit or miss programming. I oh, dare I mean, you to you follow know, it. Look, hey, Star Trek the Next Generation had better ratings than most network shows, and it was in syndication. In fact, it started that whole boom of sci-fi shows coming back in in syndication. And, you know, pretty much everybody nationwide 
all over America had Next Generation at like nine o'clock on a Saturday night because that shit was da bomb. Everybody watched Star Trek The Next Generation. People who never watched the original series watched Star Trek The Next Generation. Kids made fun of you at school for watching Star Trek The Next Generation. But when they made fun of you, they kind of knew too much about it to not have watched it. So you're like, what are you talking about? You clearly watched Star Trek The Next Generation. Yeah, that was much, just that was the shit back then. <laughs> pretty much all of my knowledge of the next generation comes from that nine o'clock slot you're talking about. Yep. <laughs> no one was playing about next generation, man. <laughs> I wasn't complaining. I loved it. <laughs> no one was playing about it. I said, but uh, you know, DS Nine and Voyager, man, they had some. There's a little bit of a different story there. Yeah. Oh. So some details about the upcoming episode of Supergirl involving Mixius Pitalik have surfaced. The synopsis says that Mixius Pitalik will show up to declare his love for Kara and that Kara will brush him off, thinking him harmless. However, Monel, who has run into fifth dimensional beings before, of course he has, Why tries not? to get yeah, tries to get her to take the threat more seriously. The tension between he and Kara intensifies. Uh, maybe one of them gets cold and they need some skin-to-skin contact. No, sorry, that's Legends. Also, mm. the episode will apparently be co-written by Sterling Gates, who will, uh, who some will recognize from the comic book world as the writer of Supergirl for a good run. So that's really cool. You know, there was a time where they wouldn't let comic book writers in to write the TV shit or the movie shit, and I always enjoy seeing those walls broken a little bit more yeah because oftentimes the comic books are so much better Uh, yeah (laughs) just often and now they um seem like that it seems like in certain cases we're specifically bringing people in for that Mm Mm-hmm. yes please yes please can i have some more michael cates and oliver (laughs) twist Uh, michael kane and oliver twist What what did i say i don't even know what i said Anyway, <laughs> Melissa Benoist. Was close enough. Yeah, Melissa Benoist had some thoughts on the upcoming episode Luthor's, in which Lillian appears to get a jailbreak assistance from Lena Luthor. Oh man, I liked Lena. As to what it might say for Lena's character, Benoist said Kara is at odds with a lot of people. Everyone, basically. Well, yeah, because she's been a pissy person lately. Mm-hmm. Anyway, what her motives are and what she really wants. She's a Luthor. So can you ever really trust someone who was raised in that environment? I've always appreciated how Kara has given her the benefit of the doubt and trusts her because Lena has proven herself more than once that she can, that she wants to make the world a better place and she doesn't want to subscribe to her family's narrative, even though it looks like she's subscribing pretty heavily to her family's narrative here. Um, guess we'll see. Uh, you know, you say Luthor's, I'm looking for Lex. I don't care about her mom. I just don't. Nah, he's in jail. I know. They so is her out. mom. She's breaking her out. Why not Lex? Mm. Anyway. Um, sad news. Zach Stentz is leaving The Flash. Uh, consulting producer during season three. Uh, writer of the amazing Kevin Smith directed episode The Runaway Dinosaur. He has left The Flash. After Dead or Alive, which he wrote, uh, after it aired, he went to Twitter and he said, Hey, y'all. Big thanks to everyone who watched tonight's episode of The Flash. Now for a little announcement. It's my last one. No further details on the matter have emerged. I am saddened by this. Um, this is the guy that went on, like, uh, what's it called? Screen Junkies? Mm-hmm. And it was like, they were talking about Captain America Civil War, and they're like, hey, you know, why, why was this written this way? And he was like, oh, no, this is written because uh, Mark Millar doesn't understand 
Captain America and like went on to like school <laughs> Mark Millar, who I love. I love Mark Millar, like Red Sun, kick ass, awesome writer. Zach Stentz just came on and like whipped his dick out and put Mark Millar to shame. Like, oh, okay. Cap is a, you know, New Deal type of guy. That's, he just doesn't understand the character. And <laughs> like, damn, dude. Oh my gosh. Shit. Um, so yeah, Zach Stentz leaving the Flash is not my favorite thing ever to happen. Yeah. All right. Runaway Dinosaur was one of the, I don't know, most emotional episodes of the Flash I've seen. Mm-hmm. That thing, that thing hurt. It hurt a little bit. Now, the good news in this is I would imagine, and again, no, no details here. So this is just pure conjecture. And I think this is probably good news overall because this dude has get has gotten so much good press over everything he's ever done. And he was already kind of dipping his toe up to the point where it was pretty much his knee. <laughs> up to his knee in like other like movie properties and shit. I think he's probably just moving on to bigger and better things. Um, you know, for people like us who like, you know, fancy ourselves writers and you know, do a podcast about this shit, you know, working on the flash is like upper echelon. Yep. But you know, for Zach Stentz, who's, you know, already just dominating that whole arena I mean, moving on to feature films and whatnot, or possibly, you know, who knows this these days, it might not even be feature films, it might be Netflix. That might be the more, uh, Netflix or HBO. It might be the more, uh, desirable position. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, I, I look forward to seeing what else the cat does, honestly. Yeah, it's very um, ambiguous. I it didn't leave anything left to um, uh, to deduce about his exit so far. Mm-hmm. I think if it was a negative exit, if it was like a bad blood situation, and now I wish I hadn't said that because I'm going to have that Tay Tay song stuck in my head for the rest of the <laughs> evening. <laughs> you know it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think he would have announced it the way he did if it was a bad thing necessarily that he was taking off. Like. If it was like a bad blood situation, I don't think he would have been like, hey, it's my last one. I think he just would have, you know, swept that shit under the rug and gone on to one of his other like 15 projects. Right. Um, anyway, Rachel Bloom, creator and star of uh, CW's Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, put in some work in the upcoming Supergirl Flash musical crossover. She told BuzzFeed News, as soon as I heard that they were doing a musical crossover, I emailed Mark Pedowitz, who connected me to Greg and Andrew. I immediately offered them my services. As soon as they picked one of my song ideas, I hopped on the phone with my old robot chicken boss, Tom Root, and we brainstormed. And based on that brainstorm, I wrote up the song Super Friends. I am so excited to contribute more to the upward trend that is musicals in television and film. Music can be one of the most amazing and efficient forms of storytelling and character development. Also, it was really fun to write a comedy song for two superheroes. Okay, I'm hearing this super... Uh, okay, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend for the first thing. I, I've, I haven't seen a lot of it. I've seen a couple of things, and it was funny. It was funny enough for me to share on social media. And you know that's pretty good. <laughs> Those are high marks. Second... Those are high marks for me. Second, uh, Robot Chicken? <laughs> Superheroes and Robot Chicken? <laughs> yes, please. No one's complaining here. Yeah, there's no lack of credentials here. <laughs> to this I say, hooray. Also, let's <laughs> let's just focus on the fact for a second that they named the song Super Friends. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. I really want HR or something to be like, meanwhile, at the Hall of Justice... <laughs> I doubt that will happen. Seriously. Oh, there's speculation uh, about worse than that. Oh, 
bullshit. Uh, it so far it's speculation about whether it may be on Earth too. Everyone's different. Hmm. I would be okay with that. Pure speculation, though, right now. Yeah. I would also be okay if the whole episode took place on a separate Earth entirely from anyone we've ever seen where musicals are just a normal thing. That would be fun. All right. I, I would make that Earth 8 for the octave. <laughs> oh, man. Another reason you're my co-host. <laughs> Cisco Valdez dropped into EW's spoiler room and offered a little hint of what's to come for Caitlin Snow on The Flash this season. He said Caitlin has some secrets of her own that are going to come to light and are going to change not just the dynamic of the team, but also her feelings, her own feelings about her dynamic within the team. It all comes to a head. Now, is this Cisco Valdez or the guy that plays him? Was he playing the character in this? I don't think he was actually playing the character in the Okay. Movie. Actually, his name is Cisco Ramon on the show, so... Yeah, Cisco Ramon. What's his name in real life? What's his name? Val something Valdez? Mr. Valdez. Carlos Valdez? Carlos Valdez. Carlos Valdez. Popped on. That's right. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. I got confused. I was like, wait, what am I getting wrong? (laughs) I'm not getting wrong. (laughs) Something happened. No, you you got nothing wrong. I uh, didn't correct that. (laughs) So, okay. Full disclosure, we've started splitting up the news on prep. Because there's a lot of it. and uh, There's a ton. Some some stories were done by Jason. Some stories were done by me. And sometimes... Very roughly. Any TV mistakes you hear? Probably my fault. And then subsequently my fault because I didn't catch it. So, yeah. Any news, any like DCEU news mistakes? Those are mine, usually. So, point your grubby fingers at me. Yeah. Haters. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> anyway, malcontent space cops. What? So on to Legends. Uh, despite his ongoing absence, Legends EP Mark Guggenheim, not his ongoing absence, mm-hmm. but uh, Guggenheim's everywhere. Uh, Guggenheim's adamant, though, that Leonard Snart will be returning in the flesh to Legends of Tomorrow and that he will be a full member of the Legion of Doom, which is something I've been hoping for the whole time. I've been well, like, why are we we've dealing with three cats? Before. I know. He told IGN, they you know what, I'll say it. it. Yeah. <laughs> We're almost done with the season, man. What are you doing? Bring me this You know nice. what, I'll say it. <laughs> I don't mind spoiling this. Captain Cole definitely will become a member of the Legion of Doom. What we wanted to do was the first time we saw Snart, we wanted to defy expectations. And now that we've done that, we definitely want to go through with our original plan. We are going to go through with our original plan of making him a Legion of Doom. Oh, sorry. A Legion of Doom member. So much of this show is about surprising the audience. It is? I haven't been surprised once. <laughs> uh, no, that's not true. <laughs> really? Think about surprise in the better, uh, for better or worse sense. Oh, I mean, I haven't been surprised by... Like, maybe at the very beginning I was surprised by how little I enjoyed it. <laughs> that's too rough. Damn it, you've enjoyed a few of these things. <clears throat> I did. Sorry. I think at that point you were surprised that you you actually enjoyed something. Sometimes you got to say something for the joke, you know? (laughs) But um, (laughs) um, we thought it would be fun for an episode to bring Snart back in a way that everyone was not suspecting. Or expecting. I I guess that was the in-mixed-mind thing. 
Uh, on the subject of Snart's return, Phil Klemmer also told TV Line, because obviously he's appeared now on all of the shows over a number of years, and he's been everything from a despicable, unapologetic scumbag to a guy who died for the legends. Uh, another question for when Snart refers, resurfaces in the flesh is, how will Rory respond to him, says the EP? Mick has made a lot of moral progress, which might have reached his high water mark. <laughs> so we have to wait and see. <clears throat> I, You know, I... I'm down. Whatever. They keep teasing this start. idea, though, that like Mick, Mick may not be as good as we've proposed. It, the only reason that's mm. annoying is is they they I mean they turn Snart into a hero, like a, a true martyr, mm-hmm. and now they're just going to revert him, and they're using his reversion to turn Mick into a reversion. Maybe, which but is a little boring in a way. I think. What what I'm taking away from it is the possibility that we will get a situation where he will come across in an earlier version of Snart, and Snart will be like, "What the hell is wrong with you? Why are you you're so soft? Why are you doing this?" And Mick will actually move past his loyalty to Snart to say, "No, this is something you need to consider," and will eventually set Snart on the path that he needs to get on, even if it's subconsciously to the point where he winds up sacrificing himself for the legends. See, that would work for me Uh, to do that though. It seems like they can't, it can't be truly confrontational. It has to be an earlier version of Snart. Like Snart's timeline is ended. So it has to be current Mick interacting with an earlier version of Snart. And yeah, they, they Mm -hmm. really, they can't go too blunt with it. Right. I mean, you can't just say, Hey, this is where your life ends. It, It has to be subtle. So to that extent, they might, maybe that's the they reason they're they're playing along with this whole like maybe Mick's still a villain thing is like maybe Mick's still playing along to some extent trying to get to you know, trying to get through to his friend. If that's what well, you're talking about, I'm absolutely down. Well, I mean, if they they can do like a thing where they're like, hey, you know, this is they can hint at it like this isn't exactly this isn't gonna necessarily be where you end up. You're not always gonna be a villain, and you know, just kind of plant the seed in Snart. You know, because Snart would be skeptical. That would characterize early Snart. It, yeah, he would he would be skeptical and he would resist and he would resist for a while, like, just like he was in the first season of Legends up until the very end, where he was like, "Now I'm gonna go kiss Sarah and kill myself." <laughs> um, well, he he, he he resists even in the Flash. He's practical though. At some point, um, Barry gives him the offer of like, "I'll stay out of your way, but stop killing people." And you know they haven't actually said which where he is you know like what snart what part like what from what era is snart from he could be from like right before he goes on the trip with the legends and he's still a villain he's like well i did a favor for barry and now i'm doing this because i'm a villain and then i don't i'm i'm sorry for my terrible snart impersonation (laughs) but and then like he gets grabbed by the legion of doom he does that bit and then he like talks to mick and mick is like dude this is what you're supposed to do and that's why he goes with the Legends and convinces past Mick to go along with the Legends or whatever it was. Because he has talked to current Mick and knows this is a thing I'm supposed to do. And That would be cool. If you grabbed him from like a know, midway point. Yeah. I'm, there, there, there are ways they can do it. I'm not sure they'll do it that way. Because they, they, you know, they seem to like doing things that I wouldn't want to do. Um, yeah, they do tend to favor away from things you enjoy. They do. Like, you know, I'm I'm fully expecting them to be like, hey, this is, you know, pre-Flash 
snart and we're going to mind wipe him so that he doesn't have any memory of what happened. And it's going to be a tough time on Mick, but it's not going to have like a real repercussion or be of really any interest circular or otherwise to the overall arc. You know, like they're just going <laughs> to you know, maybe though, uh maybe mm. they maybe they go so far as to grab Flashpoint Snart somewhere. Mhm. That would be cool. Citizen Snart though? Yeah, no, maybe the maybe they two. get to Citizen Snart. Mm. At some point, maybe Citizen maybe they, Cole. yeah, maybe they grab like a version <laughs> of Snart that's not quite who he is, and he sees this version of Mick, and he becomes the Citizen Snart. You know, did they do that in Flashpoint? Or did they, did they bleh, did they do that in Earth Two in this universe? I can't remember now. I want to say Flashpoint more than anything, but remembering the comics. Nope, don't know. But maybe they lead it into that story. <laughs> That would be the I swear by the clever bit. I swear by the end of all this, I'm just gonna be I'm gonna be pariah inside of a friggin' insane asylum, just screaming about <laughs> random continuities. <laughs> oh man, it's okay. I'll be sitting <laughs> so there in a Medusa not... mask next to you, going, "No, I remember, I remember." This is, yeah, yeah. Uh, the synopsis for the upcoming episode Camelot 3000 of Legends of Tomorrow has a little news. About the Justice Society of America, apparently the JSA are scattered across time, each protecting a different piece of the Spear of Destiny. So we will be seeing the members again, but not necessarily all at once. Sounds like an Arrested Development type of situation. Like, we don't have enough money for all of them in one episode. Um, they're too busy. Maybe we'll say that. Uh, in the Camelot 3000 episode, the Legends will find Dr. Midnight in the year 3000, and hopefully he'll act better than he did before and star or, girl back or, in the days of camelot be a character or be a character yeah he just he was just a quiet version of handyman from in living color before he should just be a character <laughs> obviously they will need to team up with the knights of the round table to stave off evil rips attempts to reassemble the spear by the way do you know uh do you know which of the knights of the round table actually constructed the round table not a clue circumference oh well done. <laughs> well done. <laughs> Wentworth Miller, <laughs> a.k.a. Captain Cold, has recently been spotted on the set of Legends looking like his old self and heisting the day away with his old pal McRory. <laughs> oh, good. Hey. Uh, not, mu- not much else is known, but we knew these two would meet and that it would test the metal of mixed character development. Which we just pretty much talked about in depth, so moving on. On to Arrow. According to a recent press release, Arrow will be seeing some familiar faces in an upcoming episode this season. The release said, uh, <laughs> how did they say this in the show? China White. <laughs> China White. Cupid and uh, Liza Warner break out of Iron Heights and head to Star City for revenge. Oliver tries to bring in the newly formed girl gang, but the ACU intervenes mid-fight. Uh, as, st- as stated, the episode will feature a trio of past vigil- uh, villainettes, I guess. We were, uh, villainettes, is that the word? I made but up also, a word and fed you, you that. You made up the word? Just to fuck with Thank you. Thank you. Jeez. We'll also deal with the ACU hunting down the Green Arrow for his murder of Billy Malone now. <laughs> so, are you going to call it Billy Malone now every every time now? Billy Malone now. Doesn't seem to be any Billy around. Sorry, I um, 
I was just trying to mess with you for a second there. <laughs> it was fun for me. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> I haven't heard any much about the ACU in a while, though. No, they've been pretty off the boards. They haven't really been around. Uh, Wendy Miracle recently let TV Line know that Artemis is definitely coming back to Arrow. Oh, good. And that there is a plan here. She said, we have a really cool, exciting twist for how she's going to reappear. The interesting thing about the choices Evelyn has made is that as much as she took the moral high ground when confronting Oliver, she has allied herself with someone who is even worse. Concerning Prometheus, Miracle says she's gone from the frying pan to the fire. And now I just, I, I unfortunately don't feel negative feelings toward Prometheus, even though he's done stuff in the show that, you know, are awful to, to the characters I dig. Because I keep hearing Michael Dorn, and I'm like, but he's Mr. Worf. <laughs> Mr. Worf wouldn't do anything bad. He is honorable. No, so far he's just kind of an interesting character. I'm, I'm digging it. Mm-hmm. I really hope he's a cool character, like, at the end of the day. Like, they keep red herring us into <laughs> a good character. Um, yeah, they've, they've <laughs> got they've got a good concept built here, and I really hope the payoff is worth it. Mm. Yeah, me too. Uh, Mark Guggenheim recently talked about the possibility of a Katie Cassidy return in a Q&A. Uh, comicbook.com was there to report his take. He said, we have an idea for how to see her again. But we haven't made a deal with her yet. She's not a series regular anymore, so we have to make a contract with her, and she's got to be available. And we haven't had those conversations. But we do have an idea. We know exactly what we want to do. You now know more than Katie does in terms of her involvement at the end of the season. <laughs> Which is interesting, because I was pretty sure that she had a deal across the board on all the shows. That's what they reported several times. Not on that show. Mm, I guess not. You have limited appearances for every character on every show. I guess so. Uh, David Ramsey talked to TV Line about where Diggle is now and where he's headed this season. There was an interesting bit in there about Diggle and Prometheus and a fight that's in the works. Ramsey said, there's a nice little moment between John Diggle and Prometheus in terms of a fight. What's ahead is all about him. It's all about finding out who is this guy and how he manipulates Oliver and the rest of the team by showing Oliver that he doesn't have to kill him. He can just take every piece of his life away. That's a very interesting way that the story is told. I also saw a bit where uh, David Ramsey was talking about how he can't wait to get back into the streets as Spartan, which was pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, he, he um, said some bits about, like, the, uh, what is it called, the, the OAT? Oh, no, OTA, the original Team Era. He's he's very mm-hmm. excited about like, getting down to just him and Felicity and Oliver. Which I have yeah. I have to admit, like that that is the heart of this. It makes me wonder if they're not going to slowly strip that away again because you know we already lost Rory last episode. No, but those were uh, seasonal characters right now. Yeah, I mean, well, we've lost the uh, we've lost Evelyn, we've lost Rory. I'm wondering if Curtis and uh, and Renee aren't far behind. No, no. That way, like, season six, they strip it all away and just, like, rebuild the show from scratch with those original three. Very possibly. But I think they're going to get back to... Gotta love Rory. (laughs) I know, I'm sad about that. I... Curtis has become so much a part of the show, I don't think you can take Mm -hmm. him away. Renee is, like, digging in. I mean, he's becoming a huge part of what what they're doing. (laughs) I dropped a pin, I'm sorry. Oh, Startling, isn't it? It is. 
It, the, it made like, me make a noise. It, the 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 new team has really developed well and and melded well mm-hmm. with what's going on. But like the the original team arrow, as uh, he's referring to it, yeah, they've still got the chemistry they had when the show started getting good. So I I understand. Mm-hmm. I understand him wanting to focus on it a little bit. Yeah. And I hope he's right. I hope they 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 do get back to it for a little while. But honestly, by the, like in the last season, I just want everybody. I want like I want Oliver. I want Thea. I want Roy. Everybody. Uh, yeah. I want I want Huntress. Uh, I want Nissa and Talia. <laughs> mm-hmm. I want freaking. <laughs> I want Renee. I want Curtis. Everybody. Mm-hmm. Even like set it up to where like Evelyn maybe even has like a bit of like. I mean, come on! You gotta redeem her character and bring her back in. Sure. I want everybody. I want Katana in there. Yeah. I want like a scene where they're all like gearing up, and like Barry runs in and just takes a look and goes, "Damn, y'all don't need me!" and like zooms out. <laughs> That's what I want. <laughs> you bring up a good point. For uh, it's hard to manage expectations in a universe this big. Mm-hmm. Which is weird, because it seems like just just a minute ago, it was like, eh, it's not a big universe. It's only got one show, and now it's huge. Yep. And you're like looking at a a huge crossover and going, where where, where the hell is Martian Manhunter and Miss Martian? Right. And where's Guardian? Where's Guardian, for God's sake? Why didn't I see him here? It's ridiculous that I didn't see this (laughs) character that I never imagined seeing before, two and a half years ago. (laughs) Now I'm entitled. Um... (laughs) So, according to Variety and many other sources, uh, the rights to Black Lightning have transferred now from Fox, who had already put it in for a well-funded pilot, to the inevitable CW. They passed. They passed on it. They passed on it. It's, it's to CW. The Fox pilot was written by uh, Salima Keel and Mara Braca Keel, and they were expected to executive produce as well, along with Berlanti and uh, Sarah Schechter. Variety hasn't cited anyone, but there appears to be no change in role for the Achilles with the transfer of networks. Uh, and while the tr- president of the CW, somewhat in response to a Superman spinoff from Supergirl, has stated earlier that he expected no more super shows to head to the network at this time, he did leave the door open for future projects. Also, he was so freaking sorry that he didn't pick up Supergirl in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, Variety also reports that sor- sources close to the CW think the clutch of shows, assuming Black Lightning gets picked up for this fall would be staggered throughout the year rather than scheduling five separate nights of superhero programming. Some of this is unsurprising, since it was, after all, Greg Berlanti that pitched and sold the show in the first place. At this time, there appears to be no need to panic if you are worried that Black Lightning isn't going to make it at air. We don't, it doesn't have a whole full, it doesn't have a full series date, you know, or a, uh, this has been picked up for a series or a season, uh, if you're for some reason not British. Uh, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, the news about it being staggered throughout the year rather than it being, you know, five nights of television. Probably good. Oh, like, it's like a burden has been lifted from my soul. Oh, no, for us, it's it's good because, oh, my God. But it's probably good for the show being picked up because the the CW yeah. is so freaking full right now. I, well, they, they, they started talking about Black Lightning. But they do have I mean, mid-season Friday nights, obviously. Yeah, but Friday night's a death slot. You don't pick something and, up just yeah, to shove it there. Yeah. I mean, but also, they're dies. you know they're they're probably going to cancel anywhere from two to four shows that just aren't doing well. There there are places you could stick it, but for me, I'm not complaining because I saw Black Lightning was moving to CW. I'm like, okay, Fox passed on it. I was like, good. 
you know, not not that really good because I was rooting for it, but at the same time, you know, you get that relief because we do so much with this. No, no, that's uh, that's us personally. Like we we have a lot of time invested in these shows, and for for it to get like twenty two episodes on Fox would be a huge time investment for us, frankly. But yeah, and then I saw it was going to CW, and I swear I thought I I cried blood. Like I felt something going down my cheek, and like, I wiped it, and it was red, and it was very disconcerting. But then I saw the news. Actually, you called me and said that it would be staggered throughout the year, and I went, oh, thank you, God. I really did. I oh. suspected it until I saw it, and it's probably true, though. Like it, it, The most likely scenario right now is it gets picked up on CW on a good night, but a mid-season mm. night. A mid and or a it, late you know, season night. I mean, iZombie right now is is a well-rated show that, for God's sake, it's middle of February and still hasn't seen its, like, early Mm -hmm. uh, season three premiere. It just, Mm -hmm. just, like, that's, they they have a whole, that, we we could see this thing pretty much, I'll I'll put it this way, we could see, like, a 13-episode Black Lightning show that aired Mm -hmm. in the last, uh, pretty much in the spring, we'll call it, spring and early summer. That might be able to overlap, but only in pieces, because that's not how they're going to shoot it yeah. with the rest of the CW universe, mm-hmm. at least for season one. But, you know, the multiverse is strong with this with this network, and they can just grab him and throw him in there for a crossover if they really wanted to. Yeah, absolutely. It's just not going to be like a... backdoor. We're not suddenly talking about like a five-episode crossover, you know? You know what? I think they, I mean, they could probably do like a four-episode crossover and bring him in. And they're like, who the hell are you? And he's like, I'm Black Lightning. And this, these are my daughters. And they are superheroes too. And we can help against aliens who use magic. Mm-hmm. Or whatever. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> and then like we pick up. Like, hey, wasn't that crazy when we got taken to that alternate universe and fought aliens with magic? And they're like, yeah, let's start our show. That'll work. I'm not making a good case for myself being a writer at this point. But... <laughs> Yeah, it'd be fun if they were like uh, you had five to ten seconds with him, where they yeah. at, at the end of uh, like end of uh, I don't know scene scene one or scene two is a little like commercial break. They're like Doctor Polaris, and then it comes back at the end of the uh, commercial break, <laughs> yeah. and it's like Black Lightning pops in and goes, Foosh. "What'd you yeah. do? I got a lot of electricity. I can cancel that shit out." Yeah. Oh well, thanks. All right, I'll be on my way. You know what they should do is just have like you know they're they're they've got like gypsy and and vibe or whatever, and they're like fighting between dimensions again in the crossover, and they just like somebody just pops over to another universe. There you go. And uh, there's this, there's Jefferson Pierce standing there, and he like looks startled, and he just zaps the shit out of him with lightning, and they're like shit, and they like pop back over to another universe. Like what the hell was that? You no, know, that'd be a fun way to start the universe, though. <laughs> yeah. Like there's the the crossover kind of thing we just saw. Where, like, he thinks he's... it, And the way they're pitching the show so far, it's like he thinks he's pretty much going to be able to, like, put away his his persona. And, like, he sure. sees all that and goes, oh, god damn it. And, like, realizes, like, <laughs> shit's getting weird again. I'm going to have to pick up this whole Black Lightning thing. Right. I would love to see him, like, <laughs> witness, you know, Supergirl fighting Killer Frost and go, oh, fuck it. Shit. Yeah. I'm going to have to fight people. Yeah. Absolutely. This is clearly not over. Um, <laughs> Who are you? I'm Vibe. I... Okay. Yep. Look out for Gypsy. Who the fuck's Gypsy? Just look out. Damn it. 
that's vaguely racist. I know, but roll with it. <laughs> She's really hot. I want to take her to dinner. Um, <laughs> on to Powerless. <laughs> Tell her I'm here uh, at so-and-so. If you see her. <laughs> powerless producer Patrick Shoemaker has been talking about crossover ambitions for his new DC Universe comedy. He said, if they'll let us do it, I would have Jason Momoa show up next season as the Sparklets guy. He'll never show up as Aquaman. Ben Affleck will never show up as Batman. The idea of a multiverse, I think, gives you license to have an actor from one of those other shows show up playing somebody different. Well, I mean, there's there's precedent, sure. Mm-hmm. Because who's to say in this world that Barry Allen or Wally West isn't a courier? We can't rule out that Grant Gustin could show up in some other time playing somebody else. That There's a little bit of a crossover. Yeah, I'm down. Yeah. Uh, Uproxx got a chance to talk to Alan Tudyk and ask him a few questions about Powerless before the premiere. They asked him what drew him to doing an office comedy set in the superhero world. He said, yeah, as a framework where you're in the world with the not-so-supers and they're the second-class, B-class supers. Uh, it was also done by Dr. Horrible Singalong Blog. A villain who's moist, that's his only thing. He's moist. This is more... I also thought of it like an arrow. Who's the guy who lives next door? He's always working out with weights. What is going on? All I hear is clanking of weights and he's up all night. What's happening over there? You see what he takes to the cleaners? What's all that leather? Those people who are on the outside. <laughs> They're just a lot of opportunity for humor. That's what I was drawn to. Do you just... I can see Do you that. just not want to watch TV with Alan Tudyk now? <laughs> I kind of do. I mean, I would have anyway. Sure. I want to be best no, friends with I, I would like to just uh, hang out for a while in general. But, like, yeah, I, w- I would really love to sit around and watch Dr. Horrible with, with Alan Tudyk. I love that one of his big <sighs> takeaways was this moist guy. Right. So, uh, unfortunately, Powerless. <laughs> Week two's ratings for Powerless are in, and it's not great. The show found 2.5 million viewers, representing a 19% drop from its premiere. It's way too early to call anything, but those are not great numbers uh, for NBC, who expects a little more from his viewership, like two or so million more people. Uh, so, get ready, guys. It's, it's not happening, probably. Mm, we'll s- probably not, no. I don't know, but you know, every year, every year, network television ratings drop. Yeah, no, that, and it depends on which rating you're getting, and who's doing the cord cutting, and who's accounting for the cord cutting, and all that stuff. I don't see anything here for, you know, uh, you know, uh, DVR results or anything. Yeah. Like Lucifer getting removed, uh, renewed at, uh, 8 million across the board. They were accounting for mm-hmm. cord cutting. Uh, mm-hmm. This is not accounting for right. anyone. So, uh, Kari Payton, the voice of Aqualad on Justice League recently explained via Reddit why the much-beloved show was originally canceled. He says, the reason why the Young Justice toy line failed was that Green Lantern bombed at the box office. That was a big part of it. We were all kind of grouped together. When you make a toy deal, all those decisions go together with all the projects that are happening. So you've got the Green Lantern television show and Young Justice. And we were all kind of bundled together with that movie when it didn't do very well at the box office. Not that it didn't do very well. It did horribly. It's kind of like having a run on the bank. Walmart and Target were like, stop making toys. (laughs) And you can't stop making just the Green Lantern movie toys. It's everything that was bundled in there. So when they turned that one off, the faucet turned off on all those other projects and all the toys that were funding Young Justice and Green Lantern, the animated series, and that kind of thing. So it was more just bad timing, I would say. 
The show is ter- is returning, though, and uh, asked if he would reprise his role in Season 3. He says, oh, hell yeah, absolutely, I can't wait. I absolutely can't wait. It's going to be so much fun just getting back to those stories and get back to uh, uh, Calder and seeing how he grows. He's one of my favorite characters of all time. I can't wait to continue telling that story because we have a lot more story to tell. That's so depressing. What, that it was just Green Lantern bombing? I, well, yeah. I mean, it's so depressing to me that, like, it's so tied in to those cells. It, it, mm-hmm. Like, it's, uh, I mean, God, I, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm interested in the stories themselves and just hearing that, like, toy cells can bomb. And a, a property that was just tangential mm-hmm. is just depressing. All right. So, I, I have a confession to make. Okay. I did not see, I did not see Ryan Reynolds' Green Lantern in the theater. It was the first film I ever saw in 3D. Separate confession. I'm pretty sure I bought all of the action figures for it, though. (laughs) (laughs) I want to be clear about this. So, a film that I went and saw in 3D, a format that I, Uh after the fact, decided I didn't care about. Mm -hmm. Sorry, sue me, guys. I I just, I would rather see something in 2D. It, It affects me differently, and I'm used to it. Yeah. Let's let's put that next to the fact that you bought the action figures that would have theoretically kept Young Justice alive, and to to this day, after all my constant urging, have not bothered to watch Young Justice. Uh-huh. I mean, it's, what, minimally on a monthly basis, I go, oh my god, damn it, dude, watch Young Justice. I, I'm, I'm gonna, I just, I need to finish Marin first. <laughs> <laughs> you don't. I do. That nervous, lovable, lovable bastard is not as good as Young Justice. <laughs> Look, I've watched all of Marin. I've got like the rest of the last season. It's on Netflix. They just got it on Netflix. I'm watching it right now, and I've got to finish Girl Meets World. And once I finish those two, you know what I else they have on Young Justice? Uh, on Netflix? <laughs> Young Justice. <laughs> God damn it, man! Make this happen. <laughs> I'm gonna. <sighs> Look, it's, it's it's especially hard for me at this time of the year when I'm inundated with so many damn capes, and I love them. But you know, I want yeah, I want to really enjoy Young Justice because you you guys have talked it up so much, and our listeners have talked it up so much. That that may and, be uh, that may be our fault. We we may have talked it I up do, too much. I do have a level of cynicism and a little bit of how do you say? God, I'm tired. Yeah, there, <laughs> there's a little bit of exhaustion. And I kind of just want to watch Mark Marin in rehab for a minute. I can get behind. Is that, that so wrong? I can get behind that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I'm definitely getting to Young Justice. Like I think about it on a daily basis. I'm getting there. It'll get there. It'll happen. Um, I I'll I'll call it by end of June. If if you haven't heavily dug into Young Justice, I will begin giving you serious shit. And I would implore make anyone, it the end of July. No, end of June. <laughs> Well, I've still got Better Call Saul. No, no. I, I don't give a shit about Better Call Saul. <laughs> Sorry, man. <laughs> Over the summer, no shows, oh, no excuses. By the end of June, I, I I will start a campaign. All right. A campaign? This is almost, you know, your your threat is almost enough rally to make the me forces. not watch it. Your campaign idea is almost a m- enough to make me not want to watch it. You say it that as though because... I can mount a forceful campaign. I know. But the impotency of these threats. Of these threats. 
What you are saying sounds like what you are saying, what you are threatening me with sounds like a magnificent marketing campaign for the show. For our show. (laughs) So some great footage of the upcoming Injustice 2 game has dropped recently. Uh, Check out IGN to see gameplay footage of Black Canary, Blue Beetle, Atrocitus, and Deadshot. The footage is mostly meant to show off Black Canary's gameplay style, but also gives a good glimpse at Blue Beetle and gives us some of the storyline that will involve Jaime Reyes and Canary. Is it was it just me? Like I know some asshole on Facebook said it's just you. Is always that I asked. But is it me, or does like Black Canary and Injustice Two look way more like Melissa Benoist than Supergirl does in Injustice Two? She actually does. Thank you. Along with last week's Black Canary reveal, IGN also revealed that Swamp Thing is going to be a part of Injustice 2. His gameplay trailer, which is available now, shows him interacting with Damian Wayne's Robin and Atrocitus. Damian Wayne's Robin's a little too old. I kind of wish they went like the, uh, you know, you know how like Capcom isn't afraid to have like just straight up have people fight kids <laughs> in their fighting games, like Mega Man. Like, yeah. Mega Man's like five. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and it works for like, I think he should have I think he should have been a little kid. I really do. Like you can only hit him really with like I don't know, low attacks. Yep. Anyway. You can trip him. <laughs> WB Games released a teaser photo that has some people speculating there may be a new Batman game in the works. IGN's France Outlet tweeted a photo that says save the date, March eighth, twenty seventeen. The style is very dark and has a black, blue, and white palette with a bit of a rocky urban style. This, along with a leak in November that supposedly detailed a Damian Wayne game that WB had in the works, has many people hoping for some new Batman material. If, again, if it's a Damian Wayne game, God, please make him a little kid. I really <laughs> love the idea of Damian Wayne as a little kid. Like, I I like that Damian Wayne. Like, I do like it more. Little kid that kicks your ass. Yeah, I do like it more. It It's more interesting that, like, this 10-year-old, at worst... Has yeah. more training than your average twenty-five-year-old. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the follow-up to Justice League versus Teen Titans in the DC Universe animated will be Teen Titans: The Judas Contract. Uh, that's actually been known for a while, but the important part is the trailer dropped this week. It has Christina Ricci as Tara and uh, Miguel Ferrer as Deathstroke. No word on the official release date. What did you think of the trailer? Oh, it's good. It's good. It looks. I, it looks great. It, it look- yeah, it looked interesting to me. I was I was on board. And speaking of uh, Damian Wayne being an adult I, and a he, child's body, do you, do you remember the bit at the end there? Which one specifically? Oh. What, what are you talking about um, exactly? It's, uh, it's Dick Grayson talking to Damian Wayne about, like, mm-hmm. his, right. his I don't know, he, he's, like, taking over the back computer almost. Um, it's like, do you ever leave this room? Um, only <laughs> want to bathe. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know who Damian... In spirit reminds me of is um remember Worf's son Alexander on Next Generation very vaguely <laughs> just like a little like petulant Worf mm-hmm. just yes father I shall do the thing oh, anyway. that one is vague yeah but <laughs> that's all that's all the news believe it or not three hours in to our two episode recording dear God and that's all the news. Uh, we are DC on screen because I'm going to go ahead and get the hell out of here. DC on screen dot com for every episode. Uh, GiantSizeTeamUpNetwork.com. That's our network. That's uh, the big man, Charles McFall, and all of his cache of, of geekery is the shows that are part of the network. Booze with Phasers and 
or booze and phasers and uh, blazing defender report and all sorts and, of and things. Dear God, uh, so many other things. And welcome to Botched Podcast. The Botched Podcast, yeah. Um, I just like their title. <laughs> yeah, right. It's a game. It's a gaming podcast, Dungeons and Dragons, as I understand. Mm-hmm. But uh, also might be uh, other games, from what I understand as well. Uh, so yeah. Anyway, there's all that stuff, and uh, we're going to be coming back with more episodes. Do you know what? This is the DC TV episode. What? Are, did, didn't you say that we were going to not have shows this week? Some shows, like Flash, is gone this week, or is that next week? Um. All right, give me several seconds. I shall look this up. I shall look Google this Google is up. our friend. I'm going to look this up. <laughs> uh, and all right, so there's, um, yeah, Luther's Arrow. Don't actually see Legends. Hmm. Well, all right. Thanks for the pause, everybody. But, um... If I understand, uh, Flash and Legends are gone for a week. Hmm. Okay. What we have is Supergirl, Luthor's, and um, Arrow, Spectre of the Gun. Hmm. I hope there's something at least thematically in tune with that season three episode of Star Trek called Spectre of the Gun. If not, I'm going to be pissed. Yeah, you can just go ahead and worry about getting over that. Because <laughs> you're getting a Wild Dog episode. Oh, good. Next week, you're going to get, uh, makes this but look, um, Gorilla City Part 1, Camelot, all of that. Oh, yeah. We're, we're going down a, we're going down a deep hole coming up. Good. In particular, Gorilla City, for God's sake. Mm-hmm. Gorilla City for Savitar's sake. For Savitar's sake. <laughs> anyway, guys, until all of that goodness, that deep, dark hole of comic book DC goodness. Keep some DC on your screen. Better Banking is getting an unbelievable 0.99% APR rate on a home equity line of credit from First Commonwealth Bank to turn your bathroom into your, wow, I love this bathroom, bathroom. 0.99% introductory APR for six months that adjusts to a variable rate based on Wall Street Journal prime rate plus or minus a margin with a minimum rate of 2.99% and a maximum rate of 18%. Offer subject to change or withdrawal at any time. Call 1-800-711-2265 for details about credit costs and terms. Equal housing lender, First Commonwealth Bank, member FDIC.